Pull up over there, Gabular. What does it mean, drive through? I don't know. It says Starbucks. Oh, Starbucks from Battlestar Galactica. I like that show. Me too. Hello. Welcome to Starbucks. What would you like today? Take us to your Rico. I don't think we have that flavor, but tell me the ingredients, and I will see if we can make it. Take us to your Rico, the weekly podcast discussing science fiction and geeky goodness. Okay. Do you want that tall, grande, or venti? What is venti? Uh, that's our largest size, sir. Then we'll take venti, very venti, 12 of them. One for each of our mouths. Uh, okay. That would be $83.94 That's the first window. What does it mean, eight-foot clearance? I don't know. Can we get the ship up to the window? This isn't Rico. This is Frappuccino. Wow, you gotta try this. Wow, this is great. Texas Sci-Fi, Rico, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, Caffeine. Whoa! TexasSci-Fi.com. Ooh, well, I don't feel so well. Thanks for letting me take care of you. Yay! Ooh, I really like this. Ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah, ooh, ooh. I like it. TexasSci-Fi.com. Better than Starbucks. I didn't catch the new Starbucks dead, so I guess it's actually a losing situation. Are we there yet? Thanks, Bob and Gebular, and yes, this is Rico, and welcome to another edition of Trex in Sci-Fi. Yes, your weekly dose of geeky goodness, sci-fi, and Star Trek information news and commentary. This week, uh, we're going to be doing an all-Stargate uh, podcast. Uh, also going to have a special guest to discuss the shows later on in the in the podcast. Yes, that's what we're doing, a podcast. <laughs> uh, but before we really get started, uh, well, today's show, today is September 21st. It is 2008 still. Uh, it's almost officially fall. And this will be podcast 192. Uh, I wanted to uh, mention that uh, we got some donations in. Uh, Rob from Orlando, Bart Herskinian, and Ian Ferguson. Thanks, you guys, for uh, donating to uh, the continuing uh, uh, costs and uh, expenses for doing the show. Uh, I just uh, want to say I really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to donate, just go to com. There's uh, donation links there at the top. Uh, you can donate just $5 if you want or more, whatever you feel like. Uh, uh, it's really appreciated. It uh, helps pay for the web host costs, new equipment, uh, music that I use for the show, and so forth. So uh, with all that, I think we're done with the intros and all that kind of stuff. So uh, let's get rolling.
Okay, again, welcome to the show for this week, everyone. I appreciate everyone tuning in, downloading, uh, or streaming it over the Internet. However, you're getting the show, uh, getting Trucks and Sci-Fi, I really appreciate it. Uh, let's just throw out some contact info. If you ever want to email me and let me know uh, what's going on with you or just some comments, uh, send them to treksf at gmail.com. We're going to run through just a couple of quick, brief news stories and just some general chit-chat real fast because basically this week's show, uh, what we're going to do or what I'm going to do here is the first about half of the show, we're going to be covering Stargate. I'll be telling you a little bit about the history, bring up a few things about uh, the Stargate series that they've done, the movies and that. And then later in the latter half of the show, I'm going to be talking to a special guest about Stargate and our thoughts on it. So that's the way it's going to break down for today. And uh, but, but first, there are a couple of Star Trek tidbits that I wanted to pass on. The first one is more about uh, what Kevin Smith has to say about the film, the rough cut that he saw. I'm just going to read a quote here online from him. I thought that would be easiest. And uh, I apologize if I'm going kind of fast. But like I said, we've got a lot of Stargate things to cover here. And I want to get through this. Uh, Kevin also, or Kevin Smith, uh, you know, director, writer, uh, all-around geeky guy, he uh, he had this to say about the movie again. Uh, he says, but man, the, he's talking about those other two, uh, The Watchmen and The Dark Knight are good, and Star Trek comes close to those. I mean, I'm not a huge Trekkie, so I'm not like, oh man, you must see this before you die. But for what it is, in terms of reboot, Abrams did a fantastic job with it, because it sounded like when they announced it, what, do you want to go back and do a little Kirk and a little Spock? But, man, he did it, and he made it viable, and it doesn't get rid of anything that it had, had before. It kind of makes the way for the continuity so that it all fits in the world still. It doesn't negate the series, the series of movies, or anything. It's all part and parcel with it. So uh, that's, uh, again, some just some great comments. And we're getting a lot more of these kind of things. J.J. Abrams, they were interviewing him on a BBC show, I think, and he had similar things to say. Uh, I did want to play one other little comment here. This is from the Shat himself, William Shatner, and clearing the air finally and this whole idea of him uh, possibly being in the movie or not in the movie and the reasons. And Well, let me just uh, – he has this new little show. I think there's some clips up on YouTube about it. Anyway, I'm going to play a little bit of that uh, for you right now, and you can hear it from William Shatner himself about his comments on the new Star Trek movie and uh, why he isn't in it. Jidge is one of the smartest director around, <laughs> writer, director. He has all these wonderful projects. Uh, JJ, I'm going to tell him personally. Okay? JJ, nobody ever came to me and said, we have a cameo. Okay, and Maybe you wrote it, but it never presented itself to me. But the truth is, I wouldn't have wanted to do a cameo because that you would have clipped that out of me. It doesn't fit. And you, had, you, you said in your statement, you were having trouble fitting it in anyway. But nobody ever asked me. And I'm just sorry that I'm not in your wonderful movie, and I would have loved to have been. And if you make another one, uh, maybe you can think of ways of bringing the Captain Kirk back to life. I brought him back to life in one of my books very easily. It just, uh, you know, the, you, you, you get the machine, you know the machine where you suck in the air where the molecules of Captain Kirk hovers? <laughs> And you reassemble from the molecular the structure that you uh, get the hovering machine, and then you throw the switch on the right. You know, the one on the right, you throw that switch, and then when that switch is done, you throw the one on the left, and out comes Captain Kirk, and it reassembled in his mechanical. <laughs> the transporter, I think you're trying to talk about, Bill. Although I th I've read those books, and I didn't think he used the transporter to uh, 
re or bring Kirk back. Uh, but anyway, uh, maybe it was slightly involved. It's been a while since I read those. Uh, but there you go, from William Shatner himself about the movie. You know, it, yes, he he wouldn't have wanted to do just a simple cameo, and it seems like the way this script is came out and is written, it wouldn't have really fit uh, uh, just to throw him in there for a quick scene like that. I mean, it may have been, been kind of nice, but would it have been necessary for the overall movie, really? Probably not. Uh, perhaps in the future. We'll see. I'm going to talk now about Stargate. Uh, just give you a little bit of background on the shows and history. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, for the people listening, how much you guys are familiar with uh, the Stargate series and the movies that they've done. I'm sure a lot of people out there that are listening have seen a lot of it. Uh, maybe there are some people listening that have never seen it. Uh, so I'll just kind of go over it briefly uh, what they've done and uh, try to give you a few little tidbits along the way for those that do know the shows pretty well. Uh, the Stargate history, the way it began was a, uh, a theatrical movie in 1994. Uh, this, uh, this movie was uh, uh, basically set the stage, I think, for the series that came later. Uh, it, was, it was pretty good. I, I actually am not a huge fan of the film itself. Uh, I thought it was okay, but there was, it was much more, I think, a little bit more military than the series ended up being. They didn't quite have the humor that the series brought out, which I enjoy quite a bit. Uh, but it is good and definitely worth seeing uh, if uh, you've never seen it, especially if you're a fan of sci-fi and all that kind of thing. But the thing I really want to focus on are the two uh, main Stargate TV series that they've done, Stargate SG-1 and then Stargate Atlantis in a few. Uh, once I get through, we'll go through Stargate SG-1 a little bit first. Uh, this show started, uh, the movie was in 1994. The TV series started in 1997, uh, first on Showtime. The first five seasons were on the cable network uh, Showtime, and then it later moved to the Sci-Fi Channel for the last half of the series uh, from season 6 through 10. And I was there at the beginning watching it on Showtime, uh, which uh, I'm not a big fan of having, you know, premium channels, but, uh, and I don't know if I had Showtime even before it aired. But anyway, it started out on that uh, series, and like I said, eventually ended up on the Sci Fi channel where it found uh, 
a good home there, and then later on they spun it off into Stargate Atlantis. Uh, lots of uh, episodes, uh, just all kinds of different things they did. Basically, the uh, let me give you a little bit of brief synopsis of, of what the show is all about. Uh, this is some of this is from Wikipedia on uh, Stargate. If you're not familiar again with it. Uh, the uh, In the Stargate science fiction universe, a network of ancient alien devices called Stargates connects the far reaches of several galaxies, including the, Meg- the Milky Way, Pegasus, and Ori galaxies, opening the door to, uh, for near instantaneous interstellar travel. So this this is the, uh, the, the sort of hitch or the, the cool little device that they created for this show, which allowed them to do kind of like what Stargate, or Stargate, excuse me, what Star Trek did every week, which was visit Strange New Worlds. But they basically were able to go through these big round devices that would create sort of a wormhole, and they, the team, the SG-1 team, would step through, and they'd be, boom, they'd be on a new, on a new planet each week if they wanted to be. And there were overall arcs and stories that were that went on throughout the series. Uh, uh, let's go through the cast a little bit. Richard Dean Anderson was uh, O'Neill. Uh, we had uh, Don S. Davies was General Hammond, Christopher Judge, Teal'c, uh, Amanda Tappening, uh, uh, Tappening, Tapping, <laughs> Carter, Michael Shanks uh, was Daniel Jackson. Th- those were the main characters from the start. Uh, later on, on Sci-Fi, in the later seasons, they added uh, Claudia Black as Vala. Uh, they added Ben Browder. Uh, as why am I blanking on who's his character? I'll look that up when I play a clip. Oh my gosh, it's terrible. Uh, but those guys came over from uh, Farscape and uh, joined Stargate in the later couple of seasons when uh, Richard Dean Anderson kind of bowed out of the show. Uh, he basically had been on it for a long time. He had had other series before that, you know, mainly MacGyver. He'd done a lot of TV and he wanted to spend time with his family. So, uh, so he decided to leave the show at, uh, in the later uh, couple seasons. But he's guest starred, and he's come back uh, after that. Uh, let's see. What else do we want to go through before I play a few clips from the show? The main bad guys were the Gouauld, or how, how, I can never say that properly, Gouauld. Uh, they were this uh, sort of uh, race of uh, sort of uh, super-powered aliens, I guess, in a way. Uh, but there was a lot of sort of religious overtones to this series. They were sort of lords and masters of over uh, various planets, and the uh, you know they sort of enslaved people. and And this had a lot of uh, sort of things back to uh, you know the pyramids and all that, and slaves there and Maybe uh, aliens came and actually built the pyramids through these slaves that they brought aboard or brought uh, with them or found on Earth at the time. There were different arcs as the the, uh, the stories and seasons would go on. There was the um, the whole Gua'uld arc with the... Uh, when the SG-1 team and others are trying to basically drive them away. And uh, Apophis is their, their sort of main adversary at the beginning uh later it becomes uh, another Gua'uld that uh is uh called Anubis and he serves also the same kind of function really uh, there are all these system lords that the Gua'uld have that control different territories out there and usually SG-1 runs into them they're, they also have you know they're not all these archetype stories sometimes they'll just go to a planet and something will happen and they'll have to deal with that uh later on they uh 
probably season seven, eight ish, they they started to run into these replicators, which sort of like were Borg like in a way, although they were all machine based. And they were able to, because uh, they were called replicators, sort of replicate themselves, and they were a big threat. And then the later couple of seasons, with uh, it was Cameron Mitchell, Ben Browder was Cameron Mitchell. He uh, fought these this other kind of super powered race of beings called the Ori, uh, which uh, went around trying to enslave planets. And if you didn't uh, sort of fall in line, they just would destroy you. And that's when. Uh, both uh, Ben Browder and Claudia Black joined uh, the team in seasons nine and ten to fight them off, and uh, I, I enjoyed those last couple of seasons. And it was fun to see them back uh, on a sci-fi show since I was a big Farscape fan. Uh, I've kind of babbled for a while here now. I'm going to take a little uh, breather and let me play a clip for you. I collected uh, not really that many. It's very difficult, you know, when you cover a, a large show in just one podcast to collect clips. But I tried to want to give you a little bit of a taste for it. Uh, this uh, first one is just uh, there's a lot of humor in Stargate, and uh, this one is just some of Richard Dean Anderson's uh, humor. Some of it you can hear. Some of it was kind of visual on the clip that I found. But it, it's just uh, just his sort of you know, dry, sort of sarcastic uh, way of, of saying things on the show. And and most of this was in the show, actually. I don't think there are really that many bloopers in here, maybe just a little bit. But anyway, here's uh, Richard Dean Anderson as O'Neill. little snack? No, tuna. Bite me. I don't know the meaning of the word. Seriously. Impudence, what does that mean? You ended that sentence with a preposition. Bastard. Who's your daddy? Wow, that's uh, ambitious. Duke, what's with the hair? Yeah, okay, sure, I buy that. Uh huh, the three of us. The world, we save it, right? You dare mock me. Of course I dare mock you. I think he's locked himself in his room. That chicken. The clue for seven down is celestial body, and he wrote Uma Thurman. Yes. Don't you keep me waiting. Over my dead body. Over my rotting corpse, sir. You cannot be serious. Yes, I can. I just choose not to. Some of the time. Go! Easy, fella. Squirrely. Oh, for crying out loud. Sweet. Take no offense there, Skippy. I'm sure you're a real hot, important ghoul. I am ball. As a bocce, I ask you, what could possibly be in my eye to explain this? There's a man. He's bald and wears a short sleeve shirt. And somehow he's very important. I think his name is Bullman. Well, I like to close my eyes and think of England. That was different. For me, not so much. Yeah, I hope that gives you a a good taste of uh, a little bit of uh, uh, Jack O'Neill's character. He's he's a military guy. He's doesn't really have a family anymore. Uh, it's and, and he's a good leader. You know, he's a good leader throughout the seasons. And you know, Richard Dean Anderson from MacGyver and other things that he's done and Stargate. He's just a solid actor and 
seems like a lot of fun too. Uh, and I, I think there was a lot of, uh, you know, Richard Dean Anderson and O'Neill and O'Neill and Richard Dean Anderson. Uh, there was a lot of overlap there and, uh, it was a little disappointing, uh, towards the last uh, season or two when he wasn't on the show, but I thought that they did a pretty good job, but, uh, keeping it going and, uh, 10 seasons for a sci-fi show is, is pretty darn good. I think Dr. Who is about the only one that's topped that, uh, in the sci-fi realm, so uh, so that's uh, that's a great uh, run. I've got another clip here, actually a couple more. This next one, this one's a little bit more uh, more serious. This one is Daniel Jackson. Uh, this is one from the later seasons. He's talking to this um, spirit of an ancient uh, Morgan uh, and about the asking kind of for the help uh, to help to defeat the Ori. So listen to this clip uh, of Daniel. I believe you. I do. I mean, I understand the fine line you have to walk. I realize the risk you're taking just showing yourself. But I'm sorry, I want more. You can pass it on to your friends as well. Yeah, I know you're listening because I am getting sick of hidden clues and cryptic messages. And Merlin was right that the Ori are a threat. But not only to us lowers, not only to the billions of human lives throughout this galaxy, but to your own existence. Because when this war is over, and every soul that's left alive is praying to the Ori, feeding their need to be worshipped, well, you know who they're going to come for next. I don't pretend to know what that war will look like or in what battlefield it will take place, but then I, I won't be alive to see it. If we interfere, we are no better than the Ori. I understand that is at the very core of what you are of what you believe, but I'm talking about survival here. If you really are trying to help, then help yourself. Yeah, Daniel uh, Daniel Jackson's character, you know, he was sort of the uh, the civilian character on the show. You, you sort of, the audience kind of got to see things through his eyes a little bit. He was very smart. Uh, he knew all about the, you know, all these ancient languages and, and usually... Uh, on the well, the science end of things, it would be Carter, played by Amanda Tapping, who would handle things. But on, on languages and ancient history and culture, and that Daniel was the one that they would go to. And and his uh, his initial sort of story arc was that um, that there was this woman that he loved uh, that uh, was taken by the Gould, and he was trying to get her back. That that took uh, place in the early seasons. And I've got uh, a couple more clips here. Again, this is just so hard to go through a whole show like this, and we will be uh, discussing this, uh, my guest and myself, uh, later. So we'll be giving you a little bit more of our thoughts about some of our favorite moments and episodes and characters. But uh, the next clip, this is with um, Amanda Tapping as uh, Carter with Richard Dean Anderson sort of in the scene as well. And uh, one of the things I really like about Stargate, both shows, is the camaraderie between uh, the characters on the show and I think the actors as well and this clip shows it very well and uh, it's sort of a little bit of a spoof they played on Richard Dean Anderson and when you hear the clip you'll know what I'm talking about it's it's really a great scene listen to this you spent seven years on MacGyver and you can't figure this one out we, we got belt buckles and shoelaces and a piece of gum build a nuclear reactor for crying out loud you used to be MacGyver McGadget McGimmick now you're Mr. McUseless you're gone Stuck on a glacier with MacGyver! 
Isn't that uh, great? That's that's just a great scene. Uh, you know, they the the show just has all uh, you know everything. It has humor. It has serious moments. It, it it'll you know and even in one episode it'll it'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. Uh, there's amazing space battles. The effects on these shows are just fantastic as well. Uh, I've got one more uh, clip. This is kind of funny. This is one from one of the later seasons with. Uh, Claudia Black as Vala, and they're kind of talking to her in this little conference room. She comes back, and uh, she she says she's with child, and, and this is a fun little scene and their reaction to it. Listen to this. Someone going to say something? Anybody? You have been impregnated without copulation. Yes, and I'm absolutely terrified. Have any of you ever heard of anything like it? Well, there's one. Darth Vader. Really? Hmm. How did that turn out? Actually, I was thinking of King Arthur. You were? Yeah, I've been reading everything I can find on our ancient friend Merlin. According to some of the legends, he enchanted the queen who bore Arthur. I have to go. Uh, fun, fun scene there, and you know, Tilk was just dead on serious. You know, he he has a little bit of trouble, I think, separating you know uh, movies and things and and reality. He he'll just throw references in there. He also likes to say the word "indeed" a lot uh, throughout the series. Again, they did some fantastic episodes. They're all out on DVD. I'll be talking about it more later on, uh, but I want to skip over into now talking a little bit about the history and uh, give you some information on. The spin-off series, Stargate Atlantis. That is the uh, main theme song to Stargate Atlantis. I have to mention uh, Joel Goldsmith, uh, excellent music that uh, he's done for both uh, Stargate SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis. Really enjoy it. it it's it's very uh, energizing and dramatic and has that sort of uh, mythical kind of sound to it. I don't know if that's the right word, but it, it just really fits the show as well, the music that he does, and really gets you in the mood to watch them when you're uh, when you see the the show and the kind of things that they do. Anyway, Stargate Atlantis. Uh, this is this show has uh, been going for five seasons. It started in uh, July of 2004. They are in about the middle of their fifth season uh, right now, which is going to be their last. Unfortunately, it's uh, it uh, it had has been canceled, but they are going to do some movies. They say just like they've done a couple of Stargate movies, which I'll talk about later on a little bit more. 
but this show is is really great. And if you're like a Stargate SG One fan, I think one of my goals today a little bit was, and you didn't really ever get into Atlantis, you really owe it to yourself because to me this Stargate Atlantis is uh, for me again. This is my personal opinion is as good, if not sometimes in a way a little bit better. Uh, you know, maybe uh, that's hard. That's all personal taste but i mean it is definitely as interesting as fun as good the characters the cast everything about this show is is definitely up there with stargate sg1 uh it uh it features uh, a different cast basically they started the pilot there was a couple of guest stars in the first episode richard dean anderson and michael shanks guested but the main uh cast of this show is totally new they have uh the sort of uh, O'Neill type character is John Shepard. He's also kind of, he, he's another military guy. He's an Air Force major. Uh, he's recruited for this expedition. Uh, Joe Flanagan plays him. He's he's probably a little bit more intense and a little more serious than O'Neill ever was. And he's his own character. I'm not to, trying to say that these guys are just, he's a mirror image or a copy of O'Neill. He's definitely his own character. And uh, a very good leader and a, a lot of fun to watch on the show. You also have David Hewlett as Rodney McKay. He is the brilliant scientist aboard uh, or aboard uh, on the Atlantic expedition. Uh, then you have, uh, let's see, Tori Higginson played Elizabeth Weir. She was the leader. She was a civilian leader of Atlantis uh, later on uh, through uh, a series of things that happened on the show. She was replaced. Uh, first, Amanda Tapping came in as Sam Carter again, uh, replacing uh, uh, Elizabeth as the leader. And now this season they have Robert Picardo, who was the doctor on Voyager, playing Richard Woolsey. He is now leading the Atlantis expedition. Uh, there are other characters. Paul McGillian played Carson Beckett, the doctor. Uh, later on now they have Dr. Jennifer Keller, Who's played by Jewel State, who came over from uh, working on, you know, she worked on Firefly. Uh, she was Kaylee on Firefly. Uh, what else do for main characters? Oh, we have Jason Momo- Momoa. Is that how you say his name? He's Ronan Dex. He's this. Uh, he's sort of like their wharf character. He's he's very militaristic. Uh, he's a fighter. He, uh, he's an alien that they uh, find. I think about season two or so. I think is when he joined them. Two or three. Uh, they had another character, Rainbow Son Franks, the actor. He played Aiden Ford. He was a young lieutenant of, uh, with the expedition. He eventually, though, uh, disappeared kind of through, again, a variety of things that happened on the show and left the cast uh, pretty much after uh, season two or in the middle of season two. Now, the, the premise of a Stargate Atlantis, they still have Stargates and everything, but the big thing here is that at first, uh, the Stargate, uh, the Atlantis uh, home that they live on, the base, was built by the ancients, and it's oh, in this you know far-off uh, Pegasus galaxy. And when they first go to Atlantis, when the team goes there, they go through a gate uh, on Earth, and they are basically going there, and they don't think they can come back. They don't have enough power to go back, I think, is is, there, is what happens then. So the, this is sort of a one-way ticket. But they are, you know, these people are explorers, and they want to see what's out there, and uh, so that's what they do. They just do it. 
Uh, I've always wondered, you know, if you were given the opportunity to sort of go through a little doorway and end up in a whole other world and another galaxy and, you know, explore that place, would you do it? You know, would you go there and uh, not knowing if you'd ever be able to come back to Earth or not? Uh, well, since then, they've been able to get back through, uh, they have sort of a, a series of stargates that sort of allow them to jump, 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 and get back to Earth. That's one way they can do it. And they also have uh, large ships now that uh, they've been able to use to, it takes weeks, but they can t- travel from, uh our galaxy from the Milky Way to the Pegasus galaxy, and that's way to ferry people back and forth. So they're not isolated anymore. So uh, let's see. What else about the overall thing? The, the main adversary, uh, you know, sort of the Klingons for the Stargate Atlantis team are, are these Wraith. They're sort of the I, – I like to think of them as, as space vampires. They uh, – they suck the energy out of people and make them grow old really fast in the process of doing that, and that's how they feed. And they do this thing called a culling where they go to all these different planets and, and take people and, and suck the juice out of them, <laughs> I guess, and, and, and then uh, use that energy to survive. And they've been fighting them pretty much uh, off and on throughout all the seasons. They've also had some trouble with the replicators, also in the Pegasus Galaxy there. And uh, lots of things, uh, other little things, of course, you know, each week is a little bit different. Uh, but again, this show is, is is very much like Stargate SG-1. There's a core team. They have a good camaraderie. They don't always get along, but most of the time they do. I think there's, uh, to me, the, the Atlantis team I've always thought was a little bit more sort of real in a way. The people seem a little bit more flawed, perhaps, than they did on SG-1. Uh, and maybe that's kind of why I like them a little bit more, perhaps, at times. Uh, I, I don't know how to describe it. But, again, I, I like both shows, really love them. And uh, I, I just really have to urge people, if you haven't really tried Atlantis much, I'm going to play a couple of clips, and I hope you do. Uh, let's play one for you right now. Uh, which one do I want to play first? Oh, this one is with uh, Rodney uh, is uh, Rodney McKay, uh, played by David Hewlett, who does an excellent job. He's the scientist. He's... He's a genius, basically, and always gets him out of all these jams. But he's also a little bit, kind of a little bit a scaredy cat and a little bit of uh, a wimp when it comes to the military and the, the fighting parts of things, although he's gotten better over the time. Well, there was this one episode where he gets shot with an arrow in his behind, and uh, this scene is in back on Atlantis when the doctor's trying to uh, take care of him, and Rodney's been kind of doped up, and I just thought it was kind of a funny clip. So listen to this. So many colors. All the pretty horses. What's he talking about? I gave him some morphine for the pain. I need to know how many villagers. How far is the gate from the village? Have you seen a guy around? He looks like you, but he's got messy hair. I think I lost him somewhere. And and a and a pretty girl and a caveman. I may have given him a wee bit too much, but he was making it impossible for me to treat him. Snap out of it, McKay. It's important. Come on, what kind of weapons did they have? I say something that shoots arrows is a good guess. Excuse me. Why am I lying here? You have an arrow, Rodney, in your gluteus maximus. Oh, well, that sounds painful. <sighs> gluteus maximus. Gluteus. Oh my god, that's my ass, isn't it? Aye. Call me if it makes any sense. Yeah, great, uh, 
Great scene there uh, with uh, Rodney. Rodney's kind of, you know, he's kind of arrogant, but he's, he is a genius, and he gets them out of a lot of jams, and I, I really like his character a lot. Uh, they uh, they get to use that uh, and play with him quite a bit. Uh, um, this next clip, this one's a little different. I thought I'd play for you. Uh, Stargate uh, Atlantis has actually also won a People's Choice Award uh, recently. Uh, I think it was last year, whenever they give those out in the spring. Uh, listen to uh, listen to this is the uh, a group of the cast kind of accepting the award. I thought it was kind of a fun little clip to play, and you get to hear hear them a little bit off camera. I'm I'm very flattered that we won. I want to thank everybody who voted for us. I want to yeah. thank oh, the producers Brad uh, Wright and Robert Cooper. Yeah. And Joe and Paul. Joe and Paul. MGM. Uh, MGM. Sci-Fi. Battlestar and Doctor Who for losing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and my, my mother, my father. All the mothers and all yes. the fathers. Because there's like, there's like five million saying. votes right there. Jason, yeah. who couldn't be here with us right now because yeah, he's surfing. That's and right. Screw him, he's not here. Well, whatever. <laughs> Crew? We yes, have and we have, oh, yeah. we have one of the crew. best crews in the world. So I but most importantly, the, the caterers. The caterers are Most are importantly, amazing. the fans. Yes. Seriously, yes, thank you so, so much. much, you guys. Thank you. Yeah, this means a lot to me, and I really appreciate it. Uh, to us. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. We are sharing it. Yeah. We're people, people. We are. Yeah, and we have the award to prove it. Again, I think that uh, that shows you a lot about what these uh, these actors are like, and and their characters are not too far off from the way they are. I think on these shows, and uh, I've heard actors at conventions and and throughout the years in interviews and things, and say, you really on a TV series, especially one that goes for a while, you really can't play somebody very easily that's too far away from you, even if they are a bit. Uh, you still uh, your personality is going to sort of come through uh quite a bit and and i think that shows and and it helps and these guys actually really seem to like each other quite a bit and have a lot of fun too so i do want to play one more clip and then we're going to segue into the uh the discussion that i'm going to have with my friend here on the podcast about stargates and what we like about the shows and things a little bit more but this last clip is just um, amazing to me and uh again i i i'll just have to say if you if people aren't caught up, and I've tried to kind of avoid spoilers too much. Uh, I've given you some overviews on both SG-1 and Atlantis, but there's an episode uh, that just aired a few weeks back on uh, Stargate Atlantis that featured uh, Rodney McKay uh, prominently. You know, he's this brilliant guy, and he caught this, there was this organism this this uh, in his brain that was uh, forcing or creating uh, the effect on him that he was slowly losing his intelligence and his brain function over uh, several uh, period of I guess a few weeks two or three weeks and it was just an amazing episode David uh, David Hewlett just did an amazing job uh, playing Rodney and what they did during the episode uh, was they were recording for the um, the doctor for Dr. Keller they recorded little bits of him each day trying to remember and show his progress and how the disease was progressing and how he was slowly um, losing his uh, his intelligence and his brain function. For, for somebody like Rodney, that's his whole life. Uh, it was just devastating to, uh, to watch. And I'm going to play this clip for you. And if you haven't seen this episode, and especially if you're a Stargate fan at all, you definitely need to see this one. I think it was the name of the episode was called The Shrine. But listen to this clip, and you'll hear a couple different points in his progress. The the first part of it, I think, is when he's pretty far along 
and he's lost a lot of his intelligence. And then the other one is a little bit uh, not so far along, and he has some things to say to the doctor. So listen to this. You can go ahead, Rodney. I don't remember where to start. Sure you do. No. Start with your name, like we've been doing, okay? And we'll just go from there. My name. My name is Mr. Rodney McKay. No. Yes. Come on now, you're Dr. McKay, remember? No, I'm, I'm not anymore. I'm not smart anymore. Doctors are smart, so I'm Mr. Now. Okay. I used to be the smartest person ever, and and now and now I'm I'm not. That's what we're trying to fix, right? No, no you can't fix me. You know we're trying our very best. No, you can't, you can't, you can't. It's okay, it, Rodney. What's the next thing you're supposed to say? Where, where John go? He just had to go away for a few minutes. He'll be John. Be, Rodney, Rodney, I'm your friend. I'm right here. Where are you, John? John. Why, Jeannie? Sorry, I need some time. Bye. Bye, Taylor. Bye, Ronan Dex. Hey, John. something I wanted to uh, while I remember while I still can there's something I wanted to say before uh, go ahead I uh, I love you I loved you for some time now okay where was I Just uh, an amazing uh, episode, amazing performance. Uh, David just did an awesome job. I just uh, can't get over how great that episode was and how good he did. Uh, so, again, you have Stargate Atlantis, Stargate SG-1, all these great things to watch, uh, many seasons, 10 seasons of SG-1, five seasons of Atlantis, some movies, Continuum, Arc of Truth uh, from Stargate, and then an Atlantis movie coming. And I'm going to play now uh, to segue us over into uh, the uh, sort of more informal discussion of these shows. Uh, this is this week's uh, uh, great, uh, amazing work of musical uh, just stunningness. Is that a word, stunningness? Anyway, this is Rick Moyer's uh, take uh, on Stargate, uh, along with some assistance from Rob and Orlando. So uh, take it away, guys. And after this, I'll be back uh, with my special guest, and we'll be talking more Stargate. Hi, Rico and Trex and Sci-Fi. This is Moyer777, otherwise known as Rick, from Aberdeen, Washington. And I love your podcast. It just rocks. Those thanks so much for doing it. This week, of course, you're talking about Stargate, Stargate Atlantis, the movies, all that kind of stuff. And I just want to say I think Stargate's a great franchise. I really, really enjoy the shows. I've watched most of them. Um, at first, you know, I really didn't like Jack O'Neill because he was such a sarcastic 
guy. But after a while, it grows on you, and you really enjoy it. So I just recommend anybody who hasn't watched the show, um, get the DVDs and watch it. It's excellent, excellent, excellent. And so what happened is my friend Rob, or Metron7 from the forums at treksandsci-fi.com, uh, is a musician as well as I am, and we were talking, and we decided to collaborate and make a song for your show. Um, I wanted to do a uh, Stargate song for you, so I got a hold of him, we talked, and uh, we Skyped back and forth. He had a studio all set up through Skype and, and kind of played a few beats for me, and I kind of sang a little thing, and then he uh, worked on the soundtrack, the, the keyboard parts and the drums, and then sent that to me. Then I added the guitars and the vocals. It ended up being about 22 tracks total. And uh, this is an original composition by Rob and myself. And I hope you really enjoy it. I hope everybody at Trex and Sci-Fi enjoys it. It's called Get Into the Gate. Chevron 1 engage. Chevron 2 engage. Chevron 3 engage. Chevron 4 engage. Chevron 5 engage. Chevron 6 engage. Chevron 7 locked. Have you completely lost your mind? Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Buried in the sand in an ancient land, the ring it's ever time, deep in the sand, till it got dug up and powered on. They hired Kurt Russell, Richard Dean Anderson. Ten years with the cast so fine, the storylines kinda just blew our mind. Slide through space on the chop blue eye, they could go anywhere and didn't have to fly. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. On SG1, the cast was real cool with Daniel, Sam, Jack and Tilt 2. General Hammond with his belly so round. Later with Mitchell and Vala they found on a mission every week to see the galaxy. Fighting off the gold and the aura you see. Stationed in a mountain underneath Cheyenne. Saving the earth was their goal and plan. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. The SG ones got tilt, yeah. 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 We got Roman, 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 we got Roman. The SG ones got tilt, yeah. 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 We got rolling, 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 we got rolling. spin-off show got really trick as we traveled up to the Antarctic. The ancient city of Atlantis is fair. The newer looking gate is up in the air. Rodney, Shepard, and Kayla too. Gotta check out the dreadlocks on their own dude. Fighting up the bugs that they call the Wraith. Freaking on the replicators, Wolseley's great. Get into the gate, gotta get into the gate. 
Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. Get into the gate, you gotta get into the gate. everyone we're back with the rest of this special stargate podcast for you and uh, i thought for a little change of pace and something fun to do that uh, i got an email from uh, another stargate fan uh, also a member on the treks in sci-fi forums and he volunteered <laughs> very uh I, I was happy to have him volunteer to talk a little bit about stargate today so i have paul from portland on skype with me how you doing paul morning how you doing good good a little a little tired we were just talking a little informally before we started to officially record uh we're, we both stayed up a little too late last night and got up a little too early today, but uh, but we're here to talk about Stargate and a little bit about what we think of the shows and maybe some of our favorite things and uh, try to get people uh, a little different take rather than just me babbling on about, uh, oh, watch this sci-fi, Rico likes it, so watch it, you know, or whatever, so... Uh, um, but Paul, is it, again, he said he was uh, from Portland, and you're on the forums as well as, uh, what's your handle on the Trex and Sci-Fi forum? Sarath, C-E-R-O-T-H. Okay. I don't post a whole lot, but I'm on every so often. Well, uh, just to start out with, Paul, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, nothing, nothing, uh, no hidden secrets that you don't want anyone to know, but, you know, just a little bit about, you know, maybe your, you know, where you live, your job, and a little bit about the kind of sci-fi that you like or something. I live here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I work full-time at a local bookstore, one of the local uh, college bookstores here in town. I uh, have been a fan of sci-fi all of my life. I think the first I became fan with it was my father introduced me to 
strangers in a stranger in a strange land. Ah, and okay. great classic, uh, classic book and original Star Trek. Uh, it used to be reruns on regular TV back home. I'm from Louisiana. So, uh, one of the local channels just had it on and he introduced me to it. And then from there, it just took off. I started reading everything. And when Star Wars came out, just went head over heels for it. And then from there, Next Generation, later on, Firefly, Stargate. I became a big fan of Stargate. Uh, within, well, since it first came on TV and when the movie came out. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been around a long time, you know. You know, it's probably you know it's got that whole franchise uh, thing going, just like Star Trek. I mean, they've done Stargate SG One and Atlantis now, and now um, even though Atlantis is going to be over at the end of this season, they're going to do another series. They say so. Uh, you know, they're definitely trying to to make this another sci-fi kind of staple. You know, like uh, like they've done with Doctor Who as well. So um, so what? Um, just uh, just to get us going on the Stargate side, uh, what kind of what was your first? Um, you said you saw the original movie, the one with Kurt Russell, right? Uh, in, did you see it in yeah. the theater, or were you or somebody saw it later on? Actually, I did see it later on. I don't I don't remember watching it at the movie theater. Okay, but I think I probably saw it on HBO when it when it came out. Um, I enjoyed it from the beginning. Uh, I. Just thought it was cool that uh, the whole Egyptian mythology and and uh, Kurt Russell. I always like Kurt Russell in anything he's in. Yeah, he was kind of a tough guy in there, you know, not quite like the O'Neill that ended up on uh, on the the TV series. He he was a little a uh, little more grim, I thought, in the movie than than he yeah, was. Yeah, that's what I liked. I you kind of like that more? Actually, no. I I like just his character. He was so buttoned down, right, uh, yeah. full, full bore military. I had just gotten out of the service maybe a couple of years before that. So oh, okay. I knew type of people like that, but, um, it was just straight up action adventure movie. Um, I didn't even think that they would come up with another a TV series for it. Yeah, it was, um, excuse me. There was like a couple of year gap there and then they decided to do the TV show, which I, I already recorded earlier on the podcast, you know, first started out on Showtime. Now, were you you were watching it? Uh, did you watch it from the beginning, pretty much? Mm, no, I did not watch any. We didn't have Showtime. Uh, I was living at home at the time, and uh, my parents could only afford HBO. So, so you watched. We didn't it have then. Showtime. I so didn't watch it until it started. reruns and later on. Then, yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So tell me uh, a little bit about the once you got into SG One. What what were some of the things that you enjoyed the most about it? Maybe some of the which characters appealed to you more, or uh, and maybe some of the the stories or particular episodes that you cared for the most. Let's see. Um, I kind of liked it. Well, I'd have to say my favorite characters would be Samantha Carter and uh, Jack O'Neill. Uh, I like Richard Dean Anderson. Uh, he's just so different than uh, Kurt Russell's character could ever be. Uh, he's just got 
tongue firmly planted in cheek every time he opens his mouth. Yeah, yeah. Even even in the uh, serious episodes where it's like life and death, he it's even almost more sometimes in those, isn't it? You know, when he's like, you know, that it's the doom and gloom in the end of the universe, and he he'll be saying something like, uh, "Well, you know, don't worry, we'll have lunch later and figure it all out," or you know what I mean? He just kind of he lightens the mood a lot in in those grim times. Uh, I could not see Kurt Russell's character doing anything like that. Right, yeah, yeah. And I think, that, do you think that a lot of that came from him as, do you think that it was mostly the writing, or do you think the actor preferred it to be more like that? I mean, I was always kind of curious why they why they changed him as much as they did. I've always thought the actors kind of play themselves to a degree. What, what do you think about that? I do think it's that way. Um, I think Richard Dean Anderson probably been coming off of MacGyver a few years before, so he had that type of uh, laid-back type attitude. Right. So he probably brought it forward, and Richard Dean Anderson just kind of strikes me as being that type of person anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they probably wrote him a little bit more like that, too. I think they they thought that would have been more interesting, too. I think the more Kurt Russell version might have been a little harder to to write each week, you know, week in and week out. You know, you got to have that humor element, I think, on a TV show to a degree. It probably also would be that people can identify more with Richard Dean Anderson as Jack O'Neill than Kurt Russell as Jack O'Neill because they're, it, Kurt Russell was just so military and hard-nosed and no jokes whatsoever. Right, right. What do you think of the two Daniels, the movie versus the uh, versus the TV show versions. I, you know, they weren't like, that different, really. I mean, not as different, I think, as the Kurt Russell and the Richard Dean Anderson O'Neills were, but uh, the Daniels seemed a little more similar. Don't get me wrong. I like Michael uh, Shanks as, as Daniel Jackson, but mm-hmm. I like James Spader as Daniel Jackson more than I like uh, Michael Shanks. Oh, really? Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. What was what just, was there was there something specific about that reason or is it just just the way you felt or just the way I felt I thought uh, James Bader was more he was the more human character of the two uh-huh. in the movie yeah um, they wrote it as the hard nosed soldier and then the just laid back scientist yeah the bookworm scientist kind of guy yeah. right yeah I guess I kind of identify with that because that's how I see myself as. Right. Okay. Interesting. So you mentioned uh, Carter as being one of your favorites too. What, what is it about her character uh, that, that you like? I like a strong woman character. Um, And Carter is total military, but she's a total scientist at the same time. And she combines those two. I mean, She's always got the science speak at the end to explain everything, to explain how everything works. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I just actually just like ladies in uniform too. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, good. Yeah, I think she's a strong. Uh, I like the strong women characters too, as well. You know, they, they've done that pretty pretty regularly on on Stargate you know they put uh Elizabeth Weir a civilian in charge of Atlantis and uh they have Taylor uh Taylor who is the uh, also on Atlantis the alien sort of warrior woman type of person and yeah. uh, 
you know, so they, they've Stargate's done that pretty pretty much from the get go, and it's kind of a nice thing to see. I, I like that balance. You know, it's not like it's a total like you know woman show, or it's like it's Sex in the City except in another universe, or <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, it, but they but they have a nice balance there of that, and uh, it's good to see. Uh, and they've uh, you know the doctor, what the doctor on uh, SG One was was a woman for most of the time, right? They changed that quite a bit. I know. Often. Yeah, they killed her in in one of the later seasons. Right, and uh, and then they eventually brought in like I think it's supposed to be Landry uh, Landry's daughter as in the later seasons playing uh, the doctor. She, yeah, she, I think her name up, is Lexa Doig or something right. like oh, that. Right. Oh, here's a here's a good tidbit for people out there that I just learned this a couple of weeks ago. Did you know that? Yeah, the Lexa. I don't know how you say her last name. She's sort of slightly Asian. I think her background actually maybe. Um, but I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, she was also on that show Andromeda. But here's the Stargate connection. She is married to Michael Shanks in real life. Oh, I didn't. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, I knew yeah. that uh, Christopher Judd and Michael Shanks were in an episode of Andromeda. Yeah, Michael uh, Shanks was on an episode of Andromeda, right? That's how they met. Uh, one of the early seasons, I think maybe season one, you know, she played the sort of the human uh, representation of the ship Andromeda on mm-hmm. that show. Um, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, she, Michael Shanks guessed it on one of those episodes and they got married at some point. I don't know how long later exactly or dates or anything like that. I wasn't invited, you know, but <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I just discovered that a few weeks ago because I, I was, I don't know, I was doing some kind of search and, and there were all these photos that popped up with her and him together. And I said, oh, all right, well, they're on Stargate together. And they were at these like different benefits and different things. And, I, and then I finally just found out on IMDb, I think it was, or whatever I looked at. Yeah, they're married in real life and they have uh, at least one kid now, I think, or something like that or two. But um, one thing I wanted to mention, let's get off of that tact for a second but uh the they film these shows i didn't talk about this in the earlier part of the podcast but they pretty much film these shows up in the vancouver canada area uh which is a beautiful area of the world really i've always thought it looks you know gorgeous and they've done you know uh battlestar galactica films up there all these tv shows i think i guess it's a cost thing mainly but yeah. Does it ever it, kind of bother you that that on Stargate every planet they jump to would a lot of times look like oh look it's it's the forest in Vancouver again and they filmed X Files up there I think too uh, for a good chunk of it um, what did you think about that did did you ever did that ever get to you after a while oh I think I, I saw knew, that that tree last week or whatever <laughs> I knew that uh, I knew that probably the uh, cost of doing all the special effects would have probably been prohibitive but it's like they jump to all these planets and it always seems so earth-like yeah well Uh, that's kind of the star trek situation though too you know well we only go to planets that are like our planet because then we run into people that are like us too so yeah you kind of have to swallow that one a little bit but uh yeah but i do like that they go out on location you know trek doesn't do that a lot so i kind of like that it's um it's nice to see them outside the you know stargate command or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the episodes that take place on other planets. Uh, I guess my favorite ones were uh, were some of my favorite ones took place where they gated into some place that's completely different. Yeah, uh, yeah. What do you I think mean, about? Supposed, go ahead. Oh, it's supposed to take place in Colorado, 
But uh, right, well, they always show they that nice up. little Cheyenne Mountain, you know, shot there. They have that little stock shot they show, and then yeah. What did you? Uh, what tell me a little bit about what you think about some of their adversaries, the bad guys, and maybe some of your favorites, or, or what you think about the whole Gould and and all that. Oh, I like. Uh, I identify with the Gould. Um, now I kind of don't understand. Well, maybe it was because it was a movie versus a TV show, but. It was just the regular how they did the alien at the end of Stargate as they were blowing him up. Uh, and then they completely changed him so that it was like the, the little worms at the gold. Uh, right, yeah, they have those symbiotes inside them, kind of like Dax on uh, Deep Space Nine. You know, they have this, I didn't talk too much about that on the podcast, but the these enemies of theirs, the they have this symbiotic relationship with the little worm inside them, right? And uh, yeah, and that basically is what gives them kind of their their powers, right? Isn't that how it works? I guess. Uh, yes, uh, the Gould or parasites. They uh, they visited the planet in the episodes. They visited the planet where the Gould came from, right? And okay. uh, they they also had that relationship with the Unas, are kind of like the lizard. Giant lizard creatures. Ah, right. It almost okay. kind of looked like Gorn. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, then the, they found out that uh, they could control humans better than they could control the Unas. So that's why they moved over to the humans. Um, yeah, my only trouble sometimes with the Gould were it, it seemed like you know they had all these system lords, and you know for season after season they would kind of fight them, and you know they had. Apophis and, and just the whole long and Anubis and all that. And then it just seemed like, you know, a new one would pop up. I mean, it got, for me, there was a little bit of time and about the middle of the run of Stargate where it kind of got like, okay, guys, you need to have, how about a new enemy? You know what I mean? Or something like yeah. that. I started to feel just a little bit like that. I, I mean, I still like the show and, and enjoy all the episodes and seasons, but I, I thought that they needed to mix it up a little bit more. That's why I kind of liked the last few years a lot when they went into the whole Ori storyline and, and changed things quite a bit. And, of course, that was a lot of that was due to Richard Dean Anderson having to, to leave the show or wanting to leave the show and mm-hmm. bringing in the uh, the Farscape gang and uh, <laughs> calling, I like calling that. it I like, uh, when they got it Starscape into, uh... or something or changed the name of it when, <laughs> when, uh, when they did that. Uh, but I thought they did a good job when they brought the new the new cast in and the new characters. And I enjoyed that too, as well. Was there, um, what did you think about the Teal character and how he changed over the years and how he was, uh, uh, I'm now I'm trying, I'm completely, it's been a long time since I've seen the original movie, but was, was Christopher judge in the original movie? Or was there a Tilk and, and was he played by somebody else? I'm completely forgetting that. No, there was no Tilk in the, in the movie. I didn't think there so, were the, right. uh, there were the warriors, the Jaff- I guess the they Jaffa would be, or, the yeah. Jaffa, but they were... Yeah, uh, he wasn't in the movie, right. I, I no, knew, he was I didn't think the actor was. I, I just couldn't remember if the character was in, in that original movie or not. Yeah, they explained it away by he was the first prime of Apophis instead of first prime of, of Ra. Right, okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the fact that they brought in this, this alien on their team, and, you know, at first they... There was a lot of, you know, the little bit of resistance to some degree. Some people on Earth were a little afraid of him and that. And then slowly, of course, he works his way into the team. What did you uh, what you think about Tilk and, and, and his character? I like Tilk. Um, he just 
he was the straight man to Richard Dean Anderson all the time. Right. That's definitely true. Right. Uh, he never smiled or he just had that stoic expression on all the time. He was like the Spock uh, character, really, kind of. I mean, he's the alien, the outsider a little bit, and uh, very straight. Yeah, kind of looking at Earth uh, society from the outside. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple episodes I thought were kind of fun where he gets his own, like, apartment. I don't know if you if that's one you've seen or... or... I did see that, that episode. He, like, <laughs> has to investigate a murder or something like yeah, that. I, I, I don't know why, but sometimes those, those that are... Uh, I heard a choo-choo. You must live near a train. Or... I live I live right next to a train station. Um, <laughs> I closed the window to maybe hopefully keep oh, it that's not bad. loud. But I was going to say, you know, I, I, there's something about those episodes where where they're a little different, you know, they're, they're, that really stick out in your mind. I remember that one real distinctly. Uh, I remember one where he was sort of trapped in like a video game, too. Tilk was uh, – did you see that I saw one? That I saw that episode, too. It was uh... – yeah, it was like yeah. a, sort of around the time, uh, I don't know if that Doom movie had just come out or what it was, but it was sort of like a, a shooter kind of game. And he was, you know, his brain was somehow then like, or, you know, his mind was in this video game, uh, yeah, all, sort of Matrix-like a little too. But uh, Yeah, they couldn't disconnect him or it would kill him. And then, right, uh, of course, you can never Daniel do Daniel Jackson has to go in. Right, you can't do that. Disconnect the guy, it'll kill you. But uh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they did a lot of those kind of unique shows like that did you see the the anniversary one where they did with the puppets and stuff did you see that one and other... i i downloaded that from itunes when it came out i just died laughing especially the whole riff on on farscape oh yeah that's a that's a great episode i think that was like their was that to celebrate like their 150th uh episode 200. or 200, 200 it was okay yeah. 200 that's right i mean the episode yeah. is called 200 Ah, okay. Yeah, that that one for for people who are either Stargate fans or even if you haven't seen very many, find that episode and watch it. It's a lot of fun. Although it's if you lot. haven't seen a lot of Stargate, I I don't know if you'll get a lot of what goes on in that one. But um, and I then think the uh, whole riff on the uh, I think the whole riff on the uh, puppets was because that's around the same time as Team America came out. Yeah, I think that was part of it. Yeah, and uh, there was an old, uh, you know, those old Jerry Anderson TV shows. I don't know if you ever watched those Thunderbirds and that, but yeah, um, yeah. I want to break away now a little bit from SG One and just talk briefly on a, a, a little bit on Atlantis, and uh, just tell me a little bit about what you think about this that spinoff show and uh, and the characters and and uh, what you think about uh, what they've done with that. Is a is it different enough from Stargate SG One for you? Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, it's as different as you can get. I mean, takes place on another uh, city on another galaxy. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it has that military aspect to it, but it's more, they go out more, a lot more than, um, than, uh, an SG-1. Uh, I mean, they got the whole race as enemies and I think it changed a little bit as this, as the series went along. I, not as familiar with Atlantis as I am with SG One because I, I I've yeah, watched still, season still one. Kind of, they're still kind of battling the Wraith. I mean, they've had different conflicts and different enemies now, and then the Replicators have shown up there too as well. And uh, I really enjoy Atlantis. I, I really like the the characters and the camaraderie, and uh, they they have some a really great cast. But you're right when you said something like it's as different as it as it could be, but it, you know it's still Stargate. So, uh, you know, and I think that's that just is a good thing. And uh, 
I like the idea at first when they went to Atlantis that they didn't know if they were able to ever going to be able to uh, to come back. I yeah. thought that was an yeah. interesting thing. You know, kind of like Voyager in a way, although they didn't know what was going to happen to them. You know, they were flung off into a another quadrant. Uh, you know, here are these guys volunteer. They know they're going to this other galaxy. And they don't know if they're ever going to be able to come back. And I thought that was kind of a neat, uh, neat idea. Although now they can kind of come back and forth. Yeah, I, I guess that's happened in the later episodes that I haven't seen yet. Yeah, they've been, uh, I mentioned it earlier on the show. They've created a series of gates that allow them to do it. Or they also have, you know, of course, the Daedalus and other big warships that can that can manage. It takes weeks, but they can go from from the Pegasus to our galaxy. So. Uh, um, but yeah, it's, it's a great show and they've done, um, you know, they've had a couple of movies now from Stargate and they're going to do it. In, even when Atlantis ends, they're going to do a movie as well. Oh, I know I, what I wanted to do before we get wrapping this up here, but, uh, you mentioned when we were talking before, before we started officially recording about some Stargate podcasts, can you, uh, tell us what those are and, and, in the names and, uh, what you think about them? Yeah. The, uh, two podcasts that I, kind of regularly listen to. One is called The Fifth Race. It's commentary on uh, each of the episodes. The two guy, one, of the, one of the guys has uh, seen all the episodes, and the other guy has never seen an episode except when he comments upon the episode he's watch, uh, that they're talking about. Oh, that's a unique idea. I like that. So they're up to season two right now. So they're uh, just going basically episode by episode each week. They, they just exactly. do the next one. They don't jump around and, and okay so but you've got a guy who's well seasoned in it and another guy who's new to it okay. exactly and it's uh it's basically like when you comment on each episode uh, of star trek uh i'm curious because so. I, I i i haven't had a chance to listen to their show but i'm curious do they play clips too or do they play the whole thing how do they do that no, they don't. Uh, they just talk about each episode. It's just them oh, and them. Oh, okay. They, d- they don't play anything from the episode itself. Oh, okay. That's interesting. They may do that in later se- in later uh, seasons. As I mean, the show's only been going on for a few weeks, so they may, as they get better okay. in how to run a podcast, they'll probably so do that. That is uh, that one's called the Fifth Race uh, uh, Stargate Podcast. And what's what's the other one that you were going to mention? It's called the GateWorld Podcast uh, by GateWorld uh, website. Uh, now, I think these people are associated with Stargate, people that they uh, have either worked on Stargate or uh, have some sort of connection to Stargate because they do interviews with uh, actors or writers. I mean, they've got an episode coming up that I haven't listened to uh, with uh, uh, the actor who plays Rodney McKay. Oh, okay. Uh, They've talked to Michael Shanks and different writers, and then they talk about episodes of Atlantis because those are the seasons that are going on right now. Ah, okay. So yeah, so they, uh, yeah, I think I've heard of that one before. Um, that they uh, now is that one been pretty regular? Or are they still doing it pretty regular, or is that one sort of uh, sporadic? It's every week. Oh, it uh, is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's cool. Was there? Um, Oh, one thing I wanted to mention, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. I just stumbled across it uh, early this morning when I was getting some things ready to talk about on Stargate. But I found this thing called, uh, and I'll put this in the podcast notes, it's called uh, BigFinish.com. You go to, it's all one word, BigFinish.com. And what these people here are doing is they're creating audio dramas 
from uh, various. Uh, it's mostly sci-fi, it looks like. But there are uh, one. The thing that caught my eye when I was looking stuff up is they're doing some Stargate SG One and Atlantis audio dramas. But this isn't really a completely fan-based thing. They get actors, the actors that played, uh, you know, the various characters on Stargate to do the the voice work. I have not listened to this at all or done it because I just discovered it this morning. But uh, they actually, they charge for this too, I was going to mention. It looks like each one is maybe about an hour long and it's about $9 or something. Which I don't know. I mean, I, I might take a shot and download one and listen to it. I'd be curious if anyone listening to the podcast today has ever taken a shot on one of these. It seems just a little expensive to me to listen to one um, one individual. I think they're about an hour. Um, but anyway, I thought I would mention that, Paul, and uh, and just to people listening to this week's podcast, you guys are you know welcome to check it out. And I'd be curious if anyone else, you know, like I said, has listened to any of this stuff and how it is. Uh, the, you can also sort of get a group pass where you can get all of it for for a one lump price, it looks like. So anyway, bigfinish.com, check that out. That's way beyond me right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, these things are a little... Uh, I wish there was just a way to sample it. I, I don't see on here that there's even a way to sample it. And I think somehow it's, it's, it's maybe British in origin because there's a lot of British stuff on here, Doctor Who. Uh, and they also have a way to convert to... Um, British pounds for the costs too. So hmm. I, I think this might be something. Uh, maybe the people from uh, uh, the UK listening to the podcast, maybe you guys will know something more about this site uh, and and uh, and pass it on to uh, to us. So um, Paul, just to wrap things up, was there anything more you wanted to uh, to say about Stargate uh, to people listening, or just uh, I know we both really love the show, and uh, anyone out there a sci-fi fan should definitely check it out, especially those that never have. You know. Sometimes it seems like it's a lot, you know, there's 10 seasons of SG-1 and 5 of Atlantis and movies and all, but, you know, sit down, just watch a couple of episodes, um, but anyway, yeah, go you ahead. You don't Paul. need to watch uh, the whole thing, I mean, individual episodes, I mean, they had the whole one-shots, and those are just perfectly good themselves. Yeah, what uh, would you say, I'd say maybe at least half or more of the episodes are not like any long go or ongoing storyline, they're just, you know, one-time we went to this planet, this happened, and we left, or whatever. Some of the best episodes are the ones that are not part of the arc. Yeah, yeah, I think that those can become a little complex, and not, you know, on occasion, not really a lot happens in them because they are sort of an ongoing story, you know. I have seen uh, websites where they, if people wanted to watch uh, uh, Continuum, they have a whole ball story arc. They can watch individual episodes to kind of get caught up to where Continuum is. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I, do they? Uh, you may know. Did they? Do they stream some of these things on Sci-Fi right now? I think, perhaps. No, I, or, I don't think so. I think. Current, uh, no. I think uh, it's just maybe Eureka, and it was Battlestar when it was on. And oh, okay. uh, I was just trying to think of Ghost a way that, that people. I'm sure there's places out there that that might have it. Um, I don't know. There's a know. site called Hulu. I don't know if they have any of these, but uh, they just have clips. Do they? Okay. All right. I guess it's iTunes or reruns on TV, which they are being rerun pretty regularly, even on um, non-cable channels. I know my uh, typically on the weekends. It seems like you'll, you'll yeah, find them. That's how I watched my first season four. Uh, season of Atlantis last night. <laughs> ah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely check it out and and and. Uh, 
and you know you know try an episode or two and see what you think it's uh i'd say it's a little uh a little lighter hearted in a way than, than some sci-fi a lot of times like we said there's a lot of humor and, and maybe not as serious although they get pretty serious a lot of times too so yeah they do uh, and that's when it's it's pretty good then too yeah don't they have a running joke on stargate sg1 you know oh, we're off to save the universe again or the galaxy again or whatever i, I can remember them saying that a few times and yeah at they least o'neill will say Ah, yes, save the galaxy again. Yeah, that that's... you, you got to laugh at that. Yeah. Well, Paul... Big uh, superhero. If uh, if you get, don't have anything else, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time today. And uh, Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. That's great, and I'm, I'm, it's always good to, like I said, have a different take on things and, and hear a new voice on the show, and uh, maybe we'll have to chat again sometime. Uh, I'd like to maybe uh, talk a little bit more about some of these uh, movies they've done. And I'm looking forward to the Atlantis one, too. That'll be nice. At least. Uh, yeah, that will be nice. I'll it, get it when it comes at out. At least, you know, they can continue the show a little bit. And what is the, the, the final, the new spinoff, Stargate Universe, I think is what they were calling it. Is that right? Yeah, when, uh, when they canceled, uh, well, when they said that Stargate was going to end its run after this season, uh, Sci Fi Channel green li- greenlighted the. Uh, the universe new series. Yeah, that's right. I, we'll, so we'll they're see. hoping to have it maybe on next year. I'm still not exactly happy with those guys since they. Uh, yeah, I, me I don't know. I think Atlantis had a lot more life in it, and uh, it's. Oh, it had a lot. More and, life. You know what I discovered too today, and I, I played it earlier on the the podcast, but they won um, uh, People's Choice Award, Stargate Atlantis, and that you know isn't that uh, where people vote for their favorite and they actually when they won it they beat Doctor Who they beat Battlestar Galactica and now I'm not getting into a big debate about what show is better but I am saying something like hey I think Stargate Atlantis does have the fans and the support and I you know I, I just have a hard time believing the ratings that they always use as their their bible for determining whether shows continue I think if somebody wins a a People's Choice Award, I, I think that kind of means something, you know. <laughs> I honestly so. am not sure that this is a sci-fi channel decision. Uh, because well, they... whoever's decision it was, though, they, it is related to how well they perceive the show is doing, isn't it? I mean, I would think you're right. I think it was more, I, I did hear it was more maybe an MGM decision. But... Yeah, I guess they probably thought, hey, uh, and, uh, SG-1 just did some really good movies. Let's move Atlantis into doing the movies and make just as much money as, as the uh, SG-1 movies. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, I'm sure they have their reasons. I just, I just am always disappointed, especially when the, the show to me is just as good or if not better than it was when it first started. And uh, it's just hard uh, to see that happen, especially to a great cast. So uh, yeah. anyway, um, thanks for talking to me, Paul. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And I enjoyed talking to you. And uh, I had a great time. We will uh, we'll talk again sometime. And just stand by. I'm going to just stop the recording. And uh, okay. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay, folks, I just want to again thank Paul from Portland for joining me and discussing Stargate and all the things that we love and enjoy about those shows. I hope you've enjoyed this special Treks in Sci-Fi Stargate edition 
for this week. I really enjoyed looking at uh, the shows and the movies and they're really a wonderful sci-fi franchise uh, and definitely check it out if you haven't and if you do, uh, I hope you enjoyed this look at it. Next week, uh, time to get out of here. Uh, we've uh, got no time for any collectible talk, but I will have one next week, I promise. And next week we'll be doing a Star Trek-type cast again. We're going to look at the TNG pilot episode, Encounter at Farpoint. I've never uh, covered that one yet, so I thought it was time. So that will be coming up next week on Treks in Sci-Fi. Oh, by the way, if you are a forum member, and if you're not, you should be, uh, I've put uh, a list of all what the upcoming podcasts and shows are about on the treksinsci-fi.com forums, uh, all the way up to show 200 at least. So you'll know what's coming if you're a member on the forums. So uh, check it out. Uh, until next week, everyone, thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you again real soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Your weekly dose of geeky goodness and sci-fi entertainment news. This podcast copyright 2008. Rico Dawson.